You've tuned into The Dr. Lowe Show with naturopathic doctor, Dr. Lauren Noel, where you hear the best in natural medicine, nutrition, and mindset from the world's top doctors, authors, influencers, and Dr. Lowe herself. Trying just to pop a pill for a symptom? You've got the wrong exit. Seeking doable ways to live a happier, healthier life and have fun doing it? Welcome to The Dr. Lowe Show. What's up, friends? It's Dr. Lowe. Thanks for coming back for another episode. If you're like me and a lot of us, you are ready to get back into shape, get off your butt, and start to move your body more. A lot of us have gotten used to getting out of our routine and sitting on the couch, watching Netflix. And as things are opening up after this quarantine season, we are ready to move our bodies again. This interview with my guest was a really good jumpstart to that for me and just reminding me how important it is for us, especially as women, to move our bodies, build muscle, and to eat enough protein. I finally tackled a huge to-do on my to-do list, and that is organizing my garage. If you follow me over on Instagram, you saw my before and after. It was pretty amazing. I felt like I was on an episode of Hoarders, not going to lie. But now I have this wacky idea of turning my garage, which finally has room for my car, actually taking my car out and turning it into a gym. So we'll see. Maybe I'll get one of those Pelotons that everyone's talking about. Is it just me or is everyone talking about getting a Peloton? Regardless of the exercise you choose, we all could very likely use a little bit more movement or a lot more movement. (laughs) One of the points that we really drive home in this episode is how incredibly important protein is, especially for women, where a lot of us aren't getting enough and our bodies are really not working optimally because of that. Now, I am a huge fan of bone broth. I've had uh, a whole episode on bone broth before. I'll put it in the show notes. And even at my office here at Shine Natural Medicine, we actually sell bone broth. Isn't that cool that your doctor sells bone broth? I think that's a really good measure of a good doctor. But if you don't want to deal with making bone broth or even having to heat it up and thaw it out and all of that, you can actually get bone broth as a powder form. And I've just come across a new company that sells really incredible bone broth. I wanted to tell you about them. So my new podcast sponsor that I'm so excited to announce is Paleo Valley. Paleo Valley is really a high ethical company. They only provide really, really clean products. And the one that I want to talk to you about is their hundred percent grass fed bone broth protein. So why is bone broth so good? It's good for a few reasons. One, it has collagen. We know how collagen is just so incredible as an anti-aging nutrient. Our bodies naturally lose collagen as we get older. Collagen also helps to treat arthritis, support healthy joints. It actually helps to reduce cellulite. It's good for hair and nails and skin. It can uh, lower the risk of heart disease. It can support gut health. It can help heal up leaky gut. So why is this bone broth better than other bone broths on the market. For one, it's 100% grass-fed and grass-finished, so the the cow never has anything besides what they're designed to be eating. It's also, it's made from the bones, not the hides. A lot of the bone broth proteins out there are actually coming from the hides, so you don't get the full complex of the nutrients from the bones. It's not overly processed. It is simmered in filtered water, and then they dry it to get it as a powder. It's completely free of pesticides, and it's really easy. You just put a scoop in your coffee, put a scoop in your smoothie and tea, whatever you drink, and that's all you got to do. No kitchen required. 
To get your hands on this amazing bone broth protein, head over to paleovalley.com. And to get 15% off your order, all you got to do is enter Dr. Lowe at checkout, D-R-L-O, and you will get 15% off and anything else on the website. All right, enjoy. Let's jump into the show. Hey guys, so I'm excited for this particular episode. I have a new friend on and we're actually going to be meeting hopefully soon in person, but we've had a a little mini girl crush on each other. We have a a ton of mutual friends, so I'm excited to have this conversation. And we have Dr. Gabrielle Lyon on the show. She's a Washington University Fellowship trained physician in nutritional science and geriatrics and is board certified in family medicine and osteopathic manipulation. She completed her undergraduate degree in human nutrition, vitamin, and mineral metabolism at the University of Illinois, and she works closely with the Special Operations Military and has a private practice in New York City. In addition, her practice services the leaders, innovators, mavericks, executives in their prospective field. She brings unparalleled results to her patients with personalized advanced nutritional interventions, metabolic and genetic testing, and behavioral action implementation. She leverages evidence-based medicine with emerging cutting-edge science to restore metabolism, balance hormones, and optimizing body composition with the goal of a lifetime of vitality. She's super smart. She's kind of like a huge nerd like me. She's done a ton of training and learning and I got to pick her brain right before the interview, which was super fun and talk about my own (laughs) stuff. So, um, doc, thanks for being here. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Can't wait to meet you in person and to have the babies hang out. Our, our kids are so close in age, which is really incredible. I know. I know yours is, you said nine months, right? Yeah. Almost nine months. Yep. Wow. Yeah. And Zion will be a year and just about a couple weeks. So pretty wild. Mom life is magical, isn't it? It is. It is literally the best, truly. What would you say was the most unexpected thing for you about being a mom? You know, they say there's, and I sound so cheesy saying this, but people say you don't really know what it's like to love another being because I really, really love my husband. And I was (laughs) not expecting there to be this sensation when your daughter hugs you for the first time and puts her head on your chest legitimately to just rest it there. I wasn't expecting that. There's just this overwhelming sense of love and peace and just serenity. Yeah. It still feels like they're a part of your body, doesn't it? Yeah. She's just incredible. She's very busy. My baby is trying to walk right now. Oh my God. Nine months old. That is the complete opposite of Zion. Zion would love to just sit there and let everyone bring things to him. And if it's (laughs) not, you know, within his immediate proximity, he will not really bother. (laughs) Yeah, no, we're like, have a seat, sister. (laughs) That's so funny. Well, he's kind of like how he was in the womb. He didn't want to come out. He was three weeks late. So he's still like that as as a little one. So it's pretty funny to see how their personalities continue Mm. through. Was she really active yes. in the womb? Yes. Um, really, really active, really busy, and she's exactly how she is. 
very curious and energetic and kind of like her mom a little bit. (laughs) You know, it's really (laughs) funny. Everyone said, what did you expect? You know, your husband's a seal and you're pretty active. So between the two of you, good luck. Right. (laughs) So what, tell me about your, your kind of personal journey. Why are you even into medicine, functional medicine? What brought you to it? Yeah, I have a little bit of a, a different perspective. So where I think most individuals come into functional medicine after their own experience of a failing system, a traditional system, I actually came in it the opposite way. So when I was 17, I graduated high school early and I moved in with my godmother on Kauai, Hawaii, which is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it just so happens that my godmother is Liz Lipsky. And for your listeners who I'm sure are very uh, functional medicine savvy, she wrote the book Digestive Wellness. And she's been a longtime professor and teacher in the functional medicine community. She's on faculty um, with uh, IFM. And I moved in with her when I was 17. Wow. (laughs) I did not know that. That's amazing. Yeah. And actually that's how I, we have a mutual friend, Tom O'Brien, and she's known Tom and her, Tom and uh, her have known each other forever. You're right. Wow. So I had my first exposure to functional medicine from a very young age and living with her, watching her get people better. People would come in with eating disorders or had been through cancer treatment or just fatigue or hormonal imbalances, you name it. And she would sit with them and she would listen and come up with protocols and food and nutrition. And it was incredible. And that just changed the whole trajectory of my life and truly my education. And, that, wow. and that's how it started. That's beautiful. Yeah, that was totally opposite of my story. I was, I was a Kaiser patient at that at that age, and all kinds of antibiotics, and trying mm. to figure out how I could clear my skin, put on Accutane, and it wasn't until much later I found out about you know naturopathic or functional medicine. So that's that's such a huge blessing. So did you just go into you know studying that, or was that always just kind of something you were passionate about while you were doing your trainings? That's a great question. I don't think anyone's ever asked me that. Um, I went to, after I spent time with her, I went to the University of Illinois, Mm -hmm. Champaign-Urbana, and I studied human nutrition, vitamin, mineral metabolism. Mm. I knew that nutrition was going to be the pathway in and really what I loved. And And I actually thought that I was going to just stop at nutrition. And it wasn't until there was a tornado warning and we all had to go into the fallout shelter while I was on campus in class, in my nutrition class. And I remember just sitting there thinking, man, I really want to be able to help right now. And I I can't do anything. Mm. And it, it was at that moment that I said, well, you know, I really need to be able to serve my fellow human in a different way. And that's really where then medicine came in. And I decided that nutrition was going to be a huge integral component as I had experienced watching my godmother, but that I also wanted additional training. And wow. so, yeah, I, I was incredibly fortunate that I didn't have to find my way as it came to my calling mm-hmm. and, and what I truly, truly loved. 
Yeah. And to have the base of nutrition going into medical school, that's very unique. It definitely was unique. And I, I would say that I really hated medical school. Did you? Arguably. I was going to ask you. All my medical training. (laughs) You know, it's it's interesting. I just hated it. You know, and I watched my husband and he loves it. So my husband got out of the SEAL teams in July and is in medical school now at at Rutgers in New Jersey. And he loves it. And I just remember sitting there going, God, I do not want to be learning this. But I did it. Mm. It wasn't until I did my fellowship. So I did two years of residency at the University of Louisville in psychiatry. And then I did three years in family medicine at North Shore LIJ. And then after that, I did a fellowship at WashU for two years in obesity medicine and geriatrics and nutritional sciences. And that was a combined fellowship in clinical you know, medicine, but also research. And mm. um, that's really where I started to see everything come together as it relates to ultimately what my practice is now. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, yeah. what is your focus now that you, that you have in your career? Right. Well, you know, it was a very long journey and it was a lot of education. And through that education, one of the positives of medicine is clinical experience and part of training is seeing patient after patient. So I've seen thousands of patients, right, just in in training alone. And what I started to see were trends. And I realized really there was a moment of clarity that happened when I was in my fellowship and I was doing human research and I was imaging people's brains. And this was part of the obesity medicine studies that I was doing. And, and, you know, we were working on a study and what we're looking at was really the midlife obesity. And as it relates to brain function, I was sitting there talking to this woman and just getting to know her because, you know, we did a metabolic ward. They're called euglycemic clamps. And, you know, you spend a lot of time, they end up spending 24 hours just on a research unit, which is a long time for a person. So the night before the euglycemic clamp, I would go and I'd bring my computer and we'd go through a battery of cognitive tests. And it would test a whole bunch of things. And then after the euglycemic clamp, we, I had a a partner in crime there and uh, Dr. Hassan Stubb, and we would image their brains. We do fMRI imaging. And what I saw, which really was so shocking, was looking at this midlife brain and she was around 50 and I saw, you know, changes in her brain matter, flattening of her brain matter. And I knew that the trajectory of her aging, I knew what that was going to look like, right? Mm -hmm. So you're talking about Alzheimer's, cognitive impairment, and it was so heartbreaking. And one of the reasons was all about body composition. Wow. And it wasn't about being over fat or obesity, right? That's what everybody had been focusing on. And she would tell me the story because it was a weight study. Tell me the story about how she was really busy with three kids and she put everyone first. And, you know, part of the ways that she soothed herself was through food and she never had time to exercise. And it was at that moment that I realized that muscle was the organ of longevity. And I know and so many was, women listening are like, oh my <laughs> gosh, that's me. <laughs> yeah. 
so it's, it's, it's not that individuals are over fat and everybody's focusing on losing weight and extra adiposity and losing body fat. That's the wrong focus. And that's why nobody gets better. It's not about being over fat. It's all about being under muscled Mm -hmm. because muscle is what regulates your metabolism. So we're looking at the wrong organ, literally. And the results of that are devastating. Here, this woman suffered her whole life chasing weight, focusing on adiposity, and now literally has brain changes because of it. Wow. So I realized that if we could augment this organ of longevity, which by the way, muscle is an endocrine organ. And it's not just about looking good in a bikini or looking, you know, being able to train harder or look muscular. It literally determines everything about your health. Mm-hmm. So I practice something called muscle-centric medicine. Wow. And what have you been finding is the result from having this focus with your patients? What types of, you know, results are you seeing? Well... Their number one, their inflammatory markers go down, their CRP, their ESR, their fasting insulin goes down. You know, all the markers, the predictive biomarkers of health improve, mm-hmm. right? As their body composition improves, their metabolism improves. So once they understand and work to maintain healthy muscle tissue, number one, Inflammatory markers go down. Number two, their lipids also go down, right? Because muscle is a large site of fatty acid oxidation. So everyone's focused on cholesterol while muscle is really the key, one key component to that. Their blood sugar becomes regulated. Their energy becomes better. Their capacity to age improves. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the big issues as we age is you get – Number one, anabolic resistance to the tissue, which means the muscle tissue that you have becomes very resistant to, sing- to signaling. Mm. And that requires very specific dietary interventions to fix that. So, you know, while we talk about mold and Lyme and all these, you know, chronic illnesses or even acute illnesses, you still have to address muscle tissue because as it relates to inflammation and baseline functioning for macronutrient metabolism, it runs the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. It's a huge central piece to your healing by having those, those tissues in place. What about yeah, healthy muscle tissue is everything. Yeah. I know a lot of people listening, especially during this whole COVID season are thinking I'm tired. I got adrenal fatigue. Like how could yeah. I build muscle right now when I'm just having a hard time getting through the day? What would you, what would yeah. you say to them? I would say right now it's, it's not necessarily about building muscle tissue. It deeply is about protecting what you have and not doing anything that would become detrimental, right? Mm-hmm. You don't want to put on body fat and listen, we're all doing it. I mean, not everybody, right? But I for sure am not as active and, you know, you don't want your muscle tissue to look like marbled steak. So, yeah, <laughs> right. And the way to do that is it, 
right now it's, it's may not be the season. Everything has a season. It might not be the season for putting on muscle. A lot of people are limited in their ability to weight train and really get the activity, but you can protect the tissue you have. And at this point, it's number one about increasing and improving the quality of the protein that people are eating, right? There's a difference between animal-based and plant-based proteins. Plant-based proteins have the correct amino acid profile necessary for human optimization, especially as it relates to muscle tissue. So really differentiating the difference between plant and animal proteins are vastly important. And determining really how much protein you need. And right now, while everyone is less active, I recommend one gram per pound ideal body weight, which is very robust considering um, most the average American consumes between 60 and 90 grams total. Women mm. are closer to 60 and men are closer to 90. Mm-hmm. Arguably, that is just a bare minimum number, you know. Um, so to protect your tissue, really having optimal protein intake and shooting for one gram per pound, either ideal body weight or one gram per pound body weight, which is certainly on the higher end. And then dividing that to 30 to 50 gram meals to really stimulate that tissue. Mm-hmm. As we know, there's two ways to stimulate muscle tissue. That's number one through dietary protein and number two through resistance exercise. But the dose has to be correct. You have to get a certain amount to really get that amino acid load. Mm-hmm. And is it just kind of tinkering with it and seeing how you feel about what your ideal level is? Or how do you kind of tweak that based on the person? Well, in terms of the hard, fast biological values, I think that the general recommendation for one gram per pound ideal Mm -hmm. body weight, everyone could agree that that, you know, the evidence is there. Mm -hmm. And the way in which you would tweak it is you would determine, is this about body composition? Am I eating for body composition? Am I eating for maintenance? you know, or am I eating to put on muscle? And I would say right now, if we are eating for maintenance, two to three meals a day in a time-restricted window would be a great remedy for people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, whether you're having, whenever that first meal is, really getting a bolus amount of protein arguably would be great for everybody. Yeah. Um, Because protein is you know, it's interesting. I'll never forget. I did this, this post and I said, the blood volume of men versus women isn't that different. And, you know, I got a lot of pushback because my medics said, well, but it is, there's leaders of difference. And the reality is there may be leaders of difference, but is that significant enough as it relates to the amino acid dose? And what I'm getting at is the minimum of 30 grams will hit this leucine threshold. So leucine is one of the amino acids. It's a branch chain. And that's really what's important for muscle health. Um, And listen, they're all important for muscle health, but that's the stimulus. That drives the cascade. And that needs to reach in the blood a threshold of, we know, around two and a half grams. So the only way to get that is really to either supplement um, a lower quality protein or to get a high quality protein at around 30 grams, which would equal between four and five ounces. Mm -hmm. I would love to know, take us through a day in your life. What would be (laughs) kind of a normal day of what you would eat? (laughs) 
So for me, I, you know, as, as we were chatting earlier, I have an infant and a husband who's in full-time medical school. So it's really tricky. Right. Uh, I would say I, <laughs> it's tricky, right? It's, I swear, you know, it's not, it's, and I run a medical practice. Um, it is, time is a challenge. So the, you know, in the morning, I don't actually eat. I typically train by 9 a.m. I have coffee, maybe two, maybe even three cups. It depends mm-hmm. on how the baby slept. I mean, realistically, I, I cap it at two. Keeping it real. I love it. Keep it real. I mean, it's true. You know, it's interesting. <laughs> I think that the transparency and authenticity are really important as it relates to what's really happening right now. So one or two cups of coffee, and I, I use something called Sun Up Green Coffee, which has chlorogenic mm-hmm. acid in it, and that helps with body composition. It, it is a really high polyphenol content. It's really an incredible product. And I have no connection with them other than I just love this product. Check it out. Um, so I do sun up green coffee uh, or cold brew, but I really, really been loving the sun up. And then I'll fast till probably around 11 or 12. And then at that time today, what we had is we had chicken wings. So we have an air fryer here. We made two pounds and my husband and I split it. And I had an avocado and that's, that's what's been, that's, what's been on the nutrition plan today. And then for dinner, we'll probably have some bison. Maybe we'll stir fry some onions and mushrooms mm-hmm. and call it a day. So what do you, you guys know, do? Well, I, I, lately I've been following more of, um, I had a guest on my show recently. Do you know, Dr. Anna Kabeca? She's a very dear friend. I oh, love Anna. Oh. She's so wonderful. Yeah. In fact, her book is out today. Yeah, I know. And it's really good. So I've been, I've been actually implementing some of her recommendations in the book. And so I stop eating, you know, at the latest seven o'clock now. And then I'll, when I wake up in the morning, I'll do just my short little Pilates thing. I do want to bring in some more like weight training stuff, but that's what I've been doing. And then I'll have like this morning, I had three little frittata muffins. Um, with a ton of veggies in them and um, half an avocado. And that was all I had for breakfast. And then lunch, I usually have like a big salad with some sort of protein or, you know, I put a lot of fats in my foods, but I'm down to experiment and try some things. But yeah, that's what I've been doing. And I I love my veggies. Though, I'm not going to lie. I love them. Like I could eat a solid like five servings of veggies per meal. So I just like the taste of them. But yeah, but I'm all about high fat, like high fat makes me feel really good. And definitely sufficient protein is needed. I really don't eat a lot of carbs. Well, let's talk about the quality because that's important. I know you're all about quality protein. It's not just about like, let's go over to McDonald's and have a huge, you know, three patty burger, hold the bun. So let's talk about protein, the quality. Yeah. Um, So really when it comes to quality, it's actually how I define quality, and this is really, it's not my definition. These are, again, hard, fast biological numbers based on a scoring system called the PDCAS or uh, formerly the DIAS system. And this is as it relates to amino acids. Um, mm-hmm. And so the, the quality of protein is based on the amino acid score. And typically high quality protein is beef, bison, turkey, Fish is a, a little bit lower, but really a great source, eggs and whey. So those are really what we think about when we think about high quality proteins. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then the plant-based proteins, you need between 25 and 35% more. And I have to say, protein has so many other effects. When we think about effects in the body, protein does more than just provide calories, right? So gram per gram, carbohydrates and fats both have four calories per gram, but protein is really interesting in that it has a thermo effect of feeding. So it takes about 15% more energy to actually even utilize it. Hmm. And it's very difficult to put on weight. So for example, fat, when you overeat fat or carbohydrates, it's very easy to put on weight. But when you overeat protein, it's so interesting because the amino acids are so useful for the body, it's very difficult to put on body fat overeating protein. And it's hard to overeat protein anyway. You get so full. It is. Yeah. Yeah, like last night we had um, artichoke and this really beautiful steak from ButcherBox. Oh my gosh, it was so good. And I... I wasn't stuffed, but I was super satisfied. Like I didn't want anything else. I could have looked at a chocolate cake and been like, meh, because I was just so, just so satiated. And it, and it works on those hormones, right? It's working on leptin. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, I think that the, as it relates to um, the hormonal response, really initially it's a gut response. So um, there's many gut hormones that when you ingest protein, it really increases the satiation mm-hmm. of a meal-to-meal basis. Now, as it relates to leptin, you know, from a practical standpoint, I'm not sure, you know, I haven't really determined my thoughts about how it relates clinically. And I typically measure leptin levels. Mm-hmm. Um, leptin typically is is the hormone people think will keep you lean, right? So ghrelin can think of as making your stomach growl and leptin keeps you lean. And there's this concept of leptin resistance. You know, as it relates to protein ingestion, I think leptin in particular is more related to body fat. Mm -hmm. But as it relates to protein and satiation, you're talking about gut peptides that really um, lower the drive to eat and overeat. And this is really well documented in Heather Leidy's lab. And she's a researcher who did a couple great papers on breakfast skipping, adolescent girls and breakfast skipping. It was, it's really well done. And she fed them both either a carbohydrate meal or a protein meal in the morning and then looked at their brain four hours later. And then she measured some of those gut peptides that we were talking about. And what she found is that those individuals that had a higher protein meal were much less likely to overeat later on. And that the areas in their brain actually were um, much less responsive. I believe it. Yeah, to carbohydrates. So, you know, protein does have a a satiation, satisfying Mm -hmm. effect to nutritional consumption. Yeah, 100%. And also just hormonal too, like you were saying, it affects hormones big time. And I can think back, I was a vegetarian and vegan for three to four years. And my period never came on time. It was like every two Mm. to three months. And it wasn't until I changed my diet and went a little more paleo, um, my period came back and it was regular. And I know that, that my diet had a huge part in that. So what do you, what is the connection between sufficient protein and hormonal balance? Number one, protein is the building blocks for everything. Right. Yeah, there is right. not one thing in your body, you know, neurotransmitters, 
hormone, everything. Everything yeah. relates to a, you know, thyroid hormone, epinephrine, norepinephrine. All of these things require the building blocks of amino acids. Um, and there's 20 amino acids. There's nine essential. And those nine are the ones that the body requires you to eat. So dietary protein really provides this full spectrum as just the baseline foundation. So let's talk about what happens, you know, how protein relates to hormones. The first thing on my mind is inflammation and obesity. So when you want optimal hormonal status, you really want optimal body composition because inflammation screws everything up. And I think we can all agree, right? Inflammation really is an issue. Fluctuating insulin levels, fluctuating blood glucose levels. When you have a diet that is anchored in protein, and what's so great about this is a low barrier to entry, right? So simply by improving the composition of your diet, you subsequently improve the composition of your body, which then improves all biological functioning, hormones, um, you know, inflammation, fatigue, the whole nine. So protein, when you don't have enough, the body utilizes whatever it has for baseline survival, right? It doesn't care about you reproducing. It doesn't right. care about making enough thyroid hormone for you. It just wants to be able to replace whatever it's utilizing. So at a, at a baseline fundamental level, the requirements that are turning over in your body, whatever tissue is turning over, when your protein is low is going to sequester that. So that's really when you optimize your protein, you now have, and I'll give you a very specific example. When you optimize your protein, you now are allowing it to do other things because the survival mechanisms have been met, right? So now you're able to turn over your tissue, but if you get enough amino acids, say for example, arginine, you now, which is a precursor for NO2, which is a vasodilator, you now can lower your blood pressure right? because arginine lowers blood pressure. Mm -hmm. So there's, or you have enough amino acids to now make glutathione, which we know is the master antioxidant. But if you don't have enough amino acids, which, you know, in the right amounts, which come from dietary protein, then you won't partition these amino acids to be utilized in other ways. Mm -hmm. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. It's one of the biggest things I, I educate my lady patients on is that your hormones are made of protein and I will check and see they have low protein in their blood. That's such a foundational place to start. Yep. Mm -hmm. And really you can see certainly in amino acids, um, I'm sorry, not in amino acids. You can definitely see in body composition when you measure you know, if you measure skeletal muscle mass and body fat percent. Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. What about folks who say, I don't digest protein very well? Everybody says that. Mm -hmm. um, and typically it's really just a hydrochloric acid issue. People have, you know, and need digestive enzymes. Mm -hmm. They need digestive enzymes. They need hydrochloric acid, uh, which naturally declines with aging. Yeah. So do you just recommend people take HCL and enzymes or are uh -huh. you working with them to help them make more? Um, no. So initially I recommend them taking it mm -hmm. and then see, you know, obviously we do a GI map test and, and things of that nature, but I think really I'd rather get them eating high quality animal proteins first 
and um, augmenting them and then allowing their body to heal because, you know, glutamine is required for um, intestinal lining. It's one of the main fuels for the enterocytes. Yeah. And plus you need, you need proteins to make enzymes. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, Cool. I love that. So let's talk about, I know you're a, a big fitness gal. What would be some types of workouts you recommend, especially for women to do? I think that weights are the most underappreciated form and modality of exercise, mm-hmm. whether it's body weight, which right now is, is pretty much what people have access to. Um, it's a non-negotiable. So yeah. I love yoga, by the way, but if I didn't do my training, mm-hmm. then um, I'm not going to do the yoga because it's, it's really, really that important because you have to stimulate your tissue in a way other than, um, you know, against resistance. And listen, arguably everything gets better against resistance, right? It's the way that we grow. So um, getting on a great program, whether it's three or four days a week of um, resistance training is absolutely key. Uh, if you are under-trained and haven't been training, then one of the, the great things to do is number one, have a much more more robust response because you don't have adaptations to training. So you can have more flexibility of doing lighter weights and really going to fatigue. And that can help body composition and really stimulate the tissue. And you know, muscle is an endocrine organ. So when you contract it, it secretes proteins called myokines. And myokines, and there's many, many different kinds of myokines, probably the most infamous one is interleukin-6. And it it goes throughout the body and it has an anti-inflammatory effect. So really contracting those muscles, whether you have the capacity to do heavy weights, and if you don't, then you do lighter weights to fatigue, Uh, whether it's squats, bench press, um, anything that you can do. Full body movements certainly are great. I use a lot of kettlebells. I have... um, like two 21 pound kettlebells and then a 53 pound kettlebell with the heavier one I use squats and, or offset carries, which is just walking or marching, um, pressing really movements that require full body is really, really valuable. And then if you're going to do cardio, putting in a day or two of high intensity interval training where you want to quit at least once. Right. (laughs) That's the gauge. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's huge. And especially right now, guys, like with this whole COVID thing, exercise, yeah, maybe it's just body weight, but it is vital just for your psychology, keeping a positive mindset through totally. this. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I would be without doing my walks, without doing my Pilates every day. Like, I know how I would be. be. So, right. <laughs> I don't want to know. I'm a nightmare, legitimately. <laughs> yeah. And also too, for, for, you know, the postpartum period, I mean, it was huge for me for, for just bouncing back. Not, and I'm not even just saying physically, but just mentally. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I, I totally agree. You know, and I, I'm lucky I have support as it relates to training. You know, I have trained with someone, her name is Melissa Paris. She's amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, Your listeners can find her. She, she brings the energy and she specializes in uh, prenatal and postnatal. Mm. And she is amazing and really and super positive, upbeat, has two kids herself and really does a phenomenal job programming and and getting people moving and breathing Mm -hmm. the way that they're supposed to. What's her website? It is Melissa Paris. 
just P-A-R-I-S. Yeah. And I'll, I'll connect you guys. She's really, truly, I put her in my newsletter. I have a newsletter that I send out Mm -hmm. every week and I really put in practitioners that I think are incredible programs that I think are incredible and papers that I'm reading. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, I put her in my last newsletter. I mean, I've used her for years, really, really high quality. Love it. We all need that support. What about with your workouts before and after? Do you use any kind of strategies as any particular supplements or like shakes or protein powders or whatever before and after? Um, so I don't. I don't. I train fasted. So I train low. Mm-hmm. That allows for the body to utilize whatever it needs to rather than me providing a meal prior to training. Mm-hmm. Post-workout, I you know, depending on how I'm feeling, you know, as you get older, you need protein post-workout. But right now, um, I tend not to eat, but I do hydrate. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And that's the thing too, because you trained your body to be more of a fat burner. So you're not like, oh, I have to have a piece of bread right after or some, you know, those carbs Never, right away. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Well, I uh, think this topic is super important for ladies, especially. Um, anything else about this topic you think would be good to touch on? Um, no, I, you know, the really big take home points are muscle is the organ of longevity. It truly is an endocrine organ. The issues are not about being over fat. It is absolutely about being under muscled. Diabetes, heart disease, cardiovascular disease, Alzheimer's disease, these are all diseases of the muscle first. Yeah. Hmm. And that's so important. The kind of medicine that I'm practicing and what I'm talking about is really shifting people's paradigm of thinking. It's about thinking about this whole concept in a different way. And if you do, then you understand how important dietary protein is and anchoring your plate with that changes everything about how you age because it protects this tissue. I mean, this is directly affecting your organ of longevity. Muscle is an endocrine organ. It is not just for locomotion. So mm-hmm. really understanding that you need to have 30 to 50 grams per meal to stimulate the tissue. People don't understand this enough. And it's the one thing that if you were going to make one change this year, it's really amplifying the amount of protein you eat at once mm-hmm. to trigger yeah. this whole cascade. So cool. And just try it, guys. I'm going to do an experiment. Try it out. Yeah, see how you, you feel. You do that by your first <laughs> meal. By the second meal, you'll feel better. Yep, exactly. Well, I feel very much inclined to go have the rest of my steak for lunch. So <laughs> I'm going to hop off and do that. But thank you so much for being my guest and for sharing all of your knowledge with us. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. And if your listeners want a free protocol, I have one on my website so they can have it. And it's what I have been using in my clinic. I now have a a second version, which I haven't released, but it's a lion protocol and they can just go to drgabriellelion.com and download it for free. It's uh, it's a great place to start. Yay. Awesome. I'm going to check it out. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Dr. Low Radio. Thank you so much for joining us. And for more after the show, you can head over to drlowshow.com where you can find the show notes. Be sure to subscribe to the show and share with all your friends. And please head over to iTunes and leave the show a five-star review and leave a comment. I read each and every one and they warm my heart. Thank you so much again for joining us. I promise to keep bringing you fun, inspiring, empowering content. Until next time, lots of love and I'll talk to you soon.